Good morning. My name is Chris said. My name is Adam, one of the pastors here at the church. Uh, thanks so much for being here today. Uh, we, today is one of the, my favorite things to do as a pastor. Uh, we baptize people. It is hands down. The reason I love this so much is because this, what we're going to do up here, really captures the heart of this church. Uh, it captures the heart of what we're about and why we're about it. Uh, it's something that we celebrate, and each uh, person that's up here is so special to God, and, and God loves them, and they're basically saying, and saying, hey, I'm in the family of God. I'm a Christian. I place my faith in Jesus and I want you to know it. And I'm partnering with this thing called the church to reach other people with that message. So we celebrate this. This is an exciting day for us. I want to mention, uh, if you're here week in, week out, you know we have a thing called, uh, it's a reading plan, or we have it in the form of a journal. Uh, this morning, we're on page 28. I believe that's the page we're on. If you want to uh, turn there to grab notes, say, what is that? Well, that's a reading plan we put together that has readings throughout the week uh, that you can be doing to kind of run in conjunction with the, um, with the message. Now, to get us going this morning... One of the things we always like to do is want to give a short message because I know a lot of you are here because you want to see this take place. And so I'm going to just share a few things about what this is. And if you think about baptism, I thought about what could I share this morning um, and talk about different things with baptism. I thought, you know what? Baptism really only happens in a thing called the church, right? You don't see baptism anywhere else in our culture, our society, or in the world. So I said, well, let's step back maybe to before we start talking about this water and what we do, let's ask the bigger question. And I think it will ultimately get us to understanding what baptism is, but what is the church? Let me ask you that this morning. What is the church? I mean, maybe you're brand new to this thing called the church. Maybe you, you've never been, and now you're kind of here, and you're thinking, well, that's a great question. I don't really know if I know how to answer that. Or maybe you've been at a thing called the church for years, maybe 40, 50 plus. And sometimes it's time to say, what is this thing called the church? As you think about that, you might have said to someone this weekend or uh, maybe last night or this morning, hey, let's go to church. I know you saw a show of hands, but maybe you've said that. So let's go to church. And when we say that, nothing wrong with saying it, but oftentimes when we say that, what it does is it kind of communicates that church is a place or a thing that we do. Let's go to this place. Let's go do this thing. And I'd say, well, that's really not what church is. A lot of people then assume, well, it's a place and it's, it's this thing, it's a building. Now, buildings are important. I think they're very important, especially in our Western culture. I think it's very important to have a building and a building that serves the needs of what, who you are as a church. But, you know, you could take this building from us and we can still do church. People begin to assume it's, well, this Sunday morning experience, that's church. You know, it's a stage, it's a guitar and drums and music. It's all that takes place all over here on Sunday morning. I'd say, you know, all this stuff is important, but you can take it all from us every last bit of it, and we can still do church. Children's ministry, student ministry happens this morning. I got to walk down through some of that area and got to see the excitement and the energy down there. And I say, yeah, that is awesome. We value that. It is so important, but you can take it away and we can still do church. Because you know what church is? Church is a place to belong. Church is people. Now, it's not just any people. It's, it's Jesus' people. It's people who have placed their faith in Jesus Christ. That is the church. The scripture calls people who put their faith and their trust in Jesus. He calls them the church. And there's different language that's used for this. Sometimes you see this family picture. Sometimes you see a body picture. Sometimes you see a bride. 
fact, Ephesians chapter 5, I want to read this one for you to be up on the screen. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 31 to 32. This is a verse you see at weddings. It says, as the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife. So this comes into context. This is a well-known chapter. It's all about husbands and wives and how to relate to one another. So he says, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united as one. Many of you have heard that verse. If you've been to a wedding, you've probably heard it quoted and recited. Now, the writer Paul goes on to say, this is a great mystery, this oneness, this union, but it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. What a cool picture. The church are people who treasure Jesus Christ. They're the bride of Christ. Now, I have a bride. She's sitting right down here. Her name is Tanya, if you've never met her, and I'm wild about Tanya. There's something really cool we started uh, this past August. Something happened for the very first time. Uh, all, at the end of August, we come out in front of our house, and this big yellow thing called a bus pulls up outside of our house. Now, for the first time, for the very first time since we've had children, our oldest is almost 13, but the very first time, we have four of them, all four of those kids got on that yellow thing called a bus at the end of August and headed off to school. Now, what's really cool about that, so, you know, I walked in, I had a little tear for a little short second, but as I got inside and shut the door, I realized, you know what's awesome? I have off work every Friday. Friday's my day off. I try very hard not to work. And I thought, Fridays are now free and wide open with my bride. So we started this whole routine. We're, we've shifted our date now. Instead of Friday evening, we've shifted into we're, every Friday morning now, after all four of those blessings, get on that bus and head off. We cheer and do a dance, and then we head out. Now, we're kind of doing this thing right now where we're going to try and hit all over Lancaster County. We're, we're, we're kind of fun. We're going to try and hit coffee shops and cafes all over the county and just kind of do this kind of cafe tour over the next uh, couple months through school. Now, why do we do that? Now, yes, the places we go have really good things to eat. Matter of fact, many of them have donuts and bagels. And I'm, I, I am, my wife's working on this low-carb thing. I'm like, that is for the birds. Jesus Christ said, man should not live on bread alone. I mean, bread's a part of Jesus' diet. I mean, let's eat carbs and let's get them in there. So, yes, I go because I love the donuts. I love the bagels. I love that stuff. I love the atmosphere. I love the, but why do I go? Why do I make it a priority? Why do I do it? Because I have a bride and I treasure her and I love her. Now, we've been through a lot, and we continue to walk through stuff, but we're committed to one another, and we love each other. I have a bride. That's the church. The church is people who say, I placed my faith in Jesus. I treasure him. I love him. I am for him. That's the church. It's people who love Jesus. Now, to go a little deeper with this, I want to talk about the persecuted church this morning. So I think the persecuted church gives us a picture of the church like no other part of the church right now in the world can. And I think it helps us understand baptism beautifully. Last week, Pastor Chris talked about persecution. And one of the things he didn't say, and ask him permission to share this, if you're around Chris at all, you'll hear him say this. He says, you know what? I actually pray for persecution to come to the Church of America. Now, you say, really, Chris? <laughs> one of our staff has actually pushed in. And Chris, you really pray for that? Chris says, yeah, I kind of look forward to that day. Not truly like I'm excited about it. He's kind of saying what my professor, one of my professors in college said it this way. The problem with Christians in the Western church is that nobody wants to kill them anymore. Chris and my professor, in essence, are saying the same thing. What are they saying? What are they saying? You see what's being said in this message? When persecution sets in, it clarifies what we're about. 
Because if I'm going to die for something, I want to know that it's important. So it clarifies the message that we stand on. And the message that we stand on, as Chris talked about last week, is listen, we are all sinners. Every single one of you, and me included, are sinners. And I cannot fix and help myself. Now, the world hates that message. You start telling people that, they're like, whoa, no, thank you. I can take care of myself. I am my own God. In essence, it's a language. They may not use that language. That's what they're saying. But we say, hey, the cool thing is, is Jesus, the son of God, came to this earth. He lived a perfect life. He died a terrible death. He rose to life. He went to the father. He conquered sin and death. And then he says to us, hey, listen, I've given you life. Put your faith in me and I will give you my perfection and I will take your ugly sin from you. And we as a church, persecution sets in and we say that is the message and the message only that we will die for. Persecution has this way of cleaning up all the, all the silly arguments, all the side discussions that distract and, and, and we get all wrapped up in in the church world. And it brings it back home to see that we are his people, the church, living on mission for the world. And what ends up happening, I think, with this thing called persecution is when you begin to say, hey, I am for Jesus. And Chris talked about this last week. I will be persecuted. Jesus promises that. Jesus says, hey, listen, you're not a a master is not above the servant. You are my servant, Jesus says, and I was persecuted. You will certainly be as well. We saw that last week. Uh, So what happens is we go out into the world. We live for Jesus. We walk for Jesus and we get beat up. I don't know about you, when you're in love with Jesus and you're trying to live in the world, as Chris talked about last week, the world is, we're not of this world. He did a beautiful job last week. I love sitting over there taking notes and being challenged by that. But yet we still go into the world and it's hard. And so what ends up happening, we crave a place to belong because we feel like foreigners and strangers out in this world. And we crave to come home, to be encouraged, to be held to account, to be told, don't quit, you can do it. We crave to come around. I just want to read this to you. And we love to hear messages like this. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the faith, to the life of faith. That's referring to all the people that have gone before us. And as you sit here this morning, you sit in your life group, you gather around people who love Jesus, who are for Jesus. Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this not by keeping our eyes in, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. After all, you have not yet given your lives in your struggle against sin. When you're out living in this world and you're getting beat up and you want to come home, you want to come into that family, you want to come to that place to belong, you want to come to the church to hear, hey, listen, keep your eyes on Jesus, the message that we're willing to die for. Don't give up. Don't quit. Remember, he died. You're still living. Keep fighting. That's what I think this statement means. And I think our church in America has lived under blessing and I'm thankful for that. But persecution is beginning to set in and we're beginning to wrestle and struggle and say, man, listen, we are the church. The church is a Christian family that exists for reaching people far from God. So it is Christian, but you know what we're for? We exist to reach the world that we're not a part of. I love this. Now you say, well, Adam, how's baptism come into this? Well, here's where baptism comes in. Persecution shows us this more than anything else. And it also illustrates what baptism in. 1 Corinthians 
um, chapter 12, it references baptism. It references uh, this word. It says, 1 Corinthians 12, 12 to 13, it says, the human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So here's another picture of the church. So we talked about a bride. Here's another picture. It's a body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews. Some are Gentiles. These are, these are people that didn't get along real well. Still to this day, don't get along real well. Some are slaves and some are free. Again, people that don't get along real well. But we have all been, there the word is, we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit and we all share the same spirit. Now, I believe this is talking about, I don't want to get everyone lost, but this is talking about spirit baptism. There's a spirit baptism, there's a physical baptism. I think spirit baptism is a picture of physical baptism and vice versa. So it says, listen, you're bad, but what does this spirit baptism do? What is the purpose of being baptized by the spirit? The verse says it brings you into one body, a body where normally people wouldn't get along. They're now a place to belong and there's connection and there's union and there's, there's harmony all doing its part. That's baptism. Now, baptism really, I would say this, defines where I belong. The people getting baptized this morning are saying, listen, I'm on the team. We're having some kids get baptized. What I love to do, I have a football game this afternoon. I coach football. And when we come to that football field, everyone on the team that I coach is all wearing what? A uniform, a jersey. Now, why do they all wear a jersey? What are they telling the stands? And what are they telling the referees? And what are they telling? They're saying, listen, I'm on the team. This is where I belong. I'm a garden spot Spartan. That's what baptism is. It's saying, listen, I'm in the body. I'm here. I belong. Now, as I look at the persecuted church and I think about persecution, sound theology about baptism is important. But when you get into the persecuted church, they don't argue about the theology of, of baptism. They're the debates that are defined the Western argument. You know, debates of is it a symbol, a sign, or a sacrament? Who can perform it? Who can't perform it? Do you go down backwards or do you go down forwards? Do you go down three times or do you go down once? Do you go down at all? Maybe you should just be poured or maybe you should be sprinkled. Should it happen as a baby? Should it happen as an adult? And all this argument and debate, and it's, it's good stuff, but it's all defined in the Western church. When you go to the persecuted church... As I talk to missionaries who live there and read books of people who've served there and look at the history of the church in, in the Middle East and Southeast Asia and China and, and uh, Northern Africa and the Horn of Africa, here's what they are concerned with. Have I been baptized into Christ and into a local community? Do I have a place to belong? Because see, when I'm in the persecuted church and I accept Jesus, do you know what happens? I step forward and get baptized. You know what happens then when I identify myself as a Christian in a place where it's illegal to be a Christian? I face imprisonment. I face death. I face losing my job. I face being kicked out of my family. And at that point, I want to know, is this group of people going to take care of my wife, my kids? Is this group of people, when I lose my job, is this a place, is this a body, is this a family? Are they going to share all things in common to make sure I continue to put food on the table for my kids? That's why I love looking to the persecuted church because they keep the message of Jesus very central. And baptism then is all about, am I in Christ and do I belong? So when they're getting wet, it's at a whole other cost of what we understand this morning. In other words, I'd say this, if the church is stripped of its property, it's building its programs and everything we do up here, the church is all about what does it mean to belong? The mode of theology is critical, yet I believe the Western church lacks this very key truth of does baptism define where I belong? 
Here's how I'd wrap this up. Jesus was baptized. Some of you know that. Now, there's one thinking that says baptism actually saves a person. Actually, this, what happens this morning, there's one group of thought that says this actually is what gets a person into heaven. I'd say, well, does it? Look to Jesus Christ. Why was he baptized? He was perfect. He had no sin to be cleansed of, but he's baptized. I think the clue and why Jesus was baptized is what God says. If you read the text, God speaks from heaven as a dove comes down and says, this is my son. It's a family term. My beloved son, I'm for him. I am pleased. It's my son. It's a family term. I think what Jesus was doing was identifying himself with the community to begin to launch his mission. It's the start of his mission. I think Jesus was saying, listen, here I am. I'm on the team. I'm a part of this group, and we're going to go on mission together. So I'd say it this way. Nick Ripkin says it this way. Nick Ripkin. I'm sorry. Uh, Nick Ripkin, who writes on the persecuted church. Some of you have read him, and he's traveled. He says, whatever we might take baptism to mean, Believers in context of persecution and suffering see it primarily as a radical identification with Jesus and a profoundly important identification with the community of faith. So baptism is publicly declaring by faith in Jesus, I am a part of God's family. So each person you see getting wet to that is what they're saying. I've put my faith in Jesus. I'm letting you know that. I'm letting the world know that. I'm publicly standing up, and I'm also saying I'm identifying with God's family and this mission that we're on together. So as you see people come up, here's what you're going to see this morning. You're going to see some things. First of all, you see a beach ball. You say, what is this beach ball up here? Some of you wondered. Well, here's what it is. We want people to understand that this is a celebration. So when you see people come up here and get baptized, feel free to clap. Some of you feel free to cheer. I'm being dead serious. Woohoo! Yeah, go. I mean, go ahead and cheer. Because what they're doing is brave and it's bold and it's courageous. And it's something that we as a church celebrate and say, this is a win. This is what we're about. This is what Jesus is about. And there are angels in heaven, it says, cheering and celebrating. So I think it's, we want people to know it's a celebratory thing that we do. We also give each person who's been baptized, they get a little one and has the date on because it's, it's a globe. Because we want people to know it's about mission. You're in the family because we're very clear the message is we want to move on mission. So we give everyone that. So that's the beach ball. The second thing you're going to see happen is when they come up the steps, they're going to pin a red card on this cross. You say, well, why do we do that? We just do it to symbolize that this water doesn't save a person. That cross does. And what Jesus did on it. So each person is going to write a person. They wrote something on this red card, something between them and God, something they're thankful that God has done for them and forgiven them for. And they're going to come up here and they're going to stick it on that cross just as a visual reminder of, you know what? Thank you, Jesus, for bringing me life. And now I'm going to show everyone that that's, you've saved me by getting in the water. So that's that. Then you're going to hear their story read. And what I love is Jesus meets all of us in our own unique ways. There's only one way to the Father, and that's through Jesus. But he meets us all in unique ways. So you're going to hear their stories, and each story may touch you in a different way. There may be a story that deeply hits you, and I want to encourage you to take these stories in and celebrate with them. And as you do, here's a couple of things I just want you to think about. Number one, are you in the family? Are you a Christian? Maybe here this morning you're a guest, you're a friend, you're a family member. You say, oh, I don't know, Adam. 
I'm not sure. Well, all it is is I'm a sinner. Jesus is the son of God. I put my faith in him. That's simple. So maybe this morning as you're watching this happen, you're listening to their stories of how they became a Christian and they joined. Maybe this morning's this morning. You say, you know what? I don't know if I'm in the family. So this morning's this morning where you say, you know what? I'm going to join the team. God, I'm putting my faith in Jesus Christ. Now you say, well, Adam, I'm in the family. Well, here's what I encourage you to do. Allow this morning to strengthen you and to celebrate. To say, Yes. This is what we're about. We see the victories. We see the ground taken. The gates of hell will not prevail. Allow it to strengthen you, to speak life to you. I'd also say this. If you're in the family, wrestle as I do with this question. Is Bethany Grace Fellowship centric on the message of Jesus Christ? That's what we want to die for. If persecution comes, that's what I'll go to my grave for. I'm not going to fight and die for what we do up here. This stuff can all change and, and shift and move, but Jesus does not. So we want to make sure this church and everything that we're about and all that we do points people to the message and the beauty of Jesus Christ. Second thing I'd ask this is I ask all the time, is this a place to belong? Is this a family? See, we're all about introducing people to Jesus, embracing them as family. That's the baptism and helping them grow. Is this really a place to belong? Ask yourself the question. And then ask the question, what role do I play in that? Because you all, if you're this, call this church home, speaking not to the guests, speaking to those who call this church home, you play a very key role in whether people walk in here and sense, yeah, this is a place I can belong. They're going to take care of me. They're going to walk with me no matter what life throws at me and no matter my heartache and no matter my pain and no matter the mistakes I make. And what happens, this place will be family. What role do you play in that? Because that's what baptism is saying. We're a family. We're together in this thing. So allow it to wrestle with that. So what I want to do is I want to pray for us here. But I want to close by just reading that passage I read a little bit ago. Again, Hebrews chapter 12. This is what I want to go to baptism with. I read this in my quiet time. It was two weeks ago. I think it was in our reading plan. If, if you're in that plan, this just jumped off the page. I just want to read it again. Well, how these words are set in to encourage your heart. And I'm going to pray, and then we're going to get to uh, partake of the, this thing called baptism. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. After all, you have not yet given your lives in your struggle against sin. God, thank you so much. Thank you for what Jesus has done. I love how that text paints it. He had joy on his heart as he walked towards the cross. He disregarded its shame. God, he was whipped. He was beaten. He was bloodied. He was hung on a tree for us. God, he paid a price. He died. He rose again. And as that passage says, he is now there with you. And God, he says, don't give up. Don't give up. It's worth it. 
We are not of this world. A person that's in this room that is a Christ follower is in the family. God, they're not of this world. And as they walk, as we walk the road, it's hard. It's painful. We, we take loss. We get beat up. We get kicked around. We struggle with our own sin. We struggle with the world pushing in on us. And God, how cool it is to have come around in a family that says, listen, don't give up. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep them on Jesus, who's the author and the perfecter of this thing called faith. Put your faith and your trust, value and treasure him. So God, we celebrate with those this morning that are going to be coming up in this stage to publicly with boldness say, that's what I'm doing. I've put my faith in Jesus and I'm not going to give up. Got to pray for those in this room that may not be Christ followers, that may not be in the family. God, I trust they're here this morning in a room this size. We know they are. And God, we welcome them. Glad they're here. Glad they're taking it in and, and asking questions and wrestling with you. God, would you grab their heart this morning? Would you... Speak so clearly and boldly to them. Would you pull back the stuff that blinds them and open up their ears so that they can hear, I love you. I'm for you. Come home. Come be my son. Come be my daughter. Put your faith in Jesus Christ. God, would they be encouraged by the kids and the teenagers and the adults that get in this water? But God, thank you for Jesus. And thank you for the gift that baptism is to the church. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Today, I tell my friends, my family, the world, that the old Adam, the old Jimmy, the old Crystal is dead. I've been buried with Christ. My sin is gone. Nailed to the cross. And paid for. By the blood of my Savior. Of my Jesus. Today, I declare that by God's relentless, unfailing grace, I am forgiven. I am free. I am new. Hi, my name is Michaela Watson. I grew up learning about Jesus from my parents. I often ask them a lot of questions at bedtime about deep things in life. They taught me so much about the Lord and having faith in Him no matter what you are going through. After reading the Bible and learning more about Jesus, I realized that I need Him because I am a sinner. I need Him to help me, and He gives me hope. When I was four years old, I prayed with my mom to accept Christ in my heart. Since I have Christ, I know I am saved, and I want to share it with other people. Also, when I was six, I had a lot of problems with stomach aches, headaches, and worry. I had to trust in the Lord that the doctors would figure out what was wrong, and I would feel better again. Since I went through all this, I now think I can understand others that go through pain and connect with them. I want to be a blessing to others. I want to be baptized today so that I can show everyone that I love Christ. 
My favorite verse is part of Deuteronomy 7, 6. The Lord your God has chosen you to be his own special treasure. It reminds me that God loves me very much. Hi, my name is Joshua Meyer. I am eight years old. When I was seven, I prayed to Jesus to forgive me for my sins. I know that when I die, I will go to heaven and see God. I want to be baptized to show everyone that I chose to follow Jesus. I want Jesus to help me do what's right. Sometimes when I am tempted to do bad things, I remember that it would make Jesus sad, so I don't do it. Stephanie Fisher. I was raised in a Christian home and remember accepting Jesus when I was seven years old. I don't remember all the details, but I do remember asking my dad questions and him taking the time to pray with me. My life before Jesus wasn't a life worth living. I was rebelling against my parents and friends and everyone who loved me. I didn't realize how much I was hurting them because I was too concerned with my pride and selfishness. I can remember going to church on Sundays and learning how Jesus died for me on the cross, and it was just a story to me. There wasn't much meaning to it. I didn't know if I trusted this giant God that lived in the clouds. This summer, I renewed my relationship with Jesus and decided to turn my life around and live a committed life for Jesus. I had a situation happen during these last few months that I realized I needed Jesus more than anybody in my life and that in the end, he was always there for me no matter how many times I pushed him away. When I went to camp over the summer, I heard the preacher talking about the armor of God and how powerful it is. He pointed out how it can help you defend yourself against Satan and his evil ways. I realized I may have had a few parts of the armor, but I could not face Satan alone. I needed Jesus to help me fight my battles because he is the only one strong enough to defeat Satan. My life has definitely changed since the summer when I renewed my relationship with God. I feel more at peace and I try to love everyone as Jesus loved me. I feel more passionate about my relationships with my family members and my friends. I don't expect my life to be perfect by any means. I do expect there to be trials and tribulations, but with Jesus by my side, I know I will persevere and get through them. Being baptized today is going to be my way of showing the world I'm committing my life to Jesus 100%, and I intend to live by his word and obey his commands as best as I can. Hi, my name is Brian Martin. I was eight years old when I accepted Jesus into my heart. I always remember going to church at an early age, so I remember learning about Jesus as long as I can remember. 
My parents were always telling me about Jesus and that we should try to be more like him. I accepted Jesus into my heart because I wanted to be with him forever in heaven. I think it means to become a Christian that you are going to stand firm in your faith of Jesus Christ no matter the situation. Naya Martin. I was four years old when I accepted Jesus into my heart. I kept asking him over and over again to come into my heart. I was afraid he would leave. I thank God that I grew up in a loving and caring family who taught me about Jesus and the Bible. My parents taught me about God at a very young age. I thank God for them too. I want to be baptized because I want the world to know that I am a Christian and I believe in God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. I am glad I am a Christian because I will be able to see God in heaven and because I know I don't have to be worried about anything in this life. I want to be able to shine his light in the darkness. That is why I want to be baptized. My name is Lane Weaver. Growing up in a Christian family all my life, I always had a knowledge of who God was. However, I never fully grasped the power of God until I was 12 years old. I realized that I was living in sin and needed to have a personal relationship with Jesus in order to live a life of freedom and not live in the fear of death. So at 12 years old, I prayed with my parents one night at my house and accepted Jesus into my life as my personal Savior. One of my biggest motivators that led me to accepting Christ at a young age was the godly example my father and family set for me each and every day of my life. Without my family as a role model, I would not be in the place in life I am today. Becoming a Christian has changed the way I look at life each and every day. Instead of living with fear and where I will end up, it has given me the security of knowing I will always be safe in God's arms no matter what happens. Although I have had many struggles and made many mistakes in my life, I can feel God's hands in my life showing me the, the way every day. The reason I wish to be baptized is to show publicly that I am not ashamed of the gospel, as well as acknowledging my need for Jesus in my life. Throughout the last year and a half that I have spent attending Bethany, everyone here has made me feel welcome every Sunday. I would like to especially thank Pastor Chris and Pastor Adam for the powerful, inspiring messages that they deliver every Sunday. I feel like I have grown in my faith and understanding of God a lot over the last year and a half and would like to thank all of you at Bethany for being part of that. My name is Lily. 
become nine years old. I accepted Jesus when I was seven. I became a Christian because I know that Christ is real and I want to live with him in heaven when I die. I am glad that I became a Christian because I am God's child and I can confess things I have done and he always forgives me no matter what. I can tell him my secrets too and he never spoils them. As I'm getting older, he's also helping me to control my temper and actions better. I want to be baptized simply because I want to tell people I'm a follower of Christ and I'm going to follow him until I die. My name is Corey Martin. I was raised in a Mennonite family, so I have always been around Christianity. At age 13, I was attending a Christ-centered summer camp, and one evening after Bible study, I talked to a counselor and decided to accept Jesus as my personal Savior. When I was in my later teens, I strayed from God and made poor choices. It wasn't until I was 19 that I realized how my actions were affecting my life. I came to the conclusion that my lifestyle needed some changes. So I met with the youth pastors of my previous church and rededicated my life to Jesus. After attending Bethany for over a year, I have decided to make my faith public and be baptized. I want to thank my family for raising me in a Christian home and all the pastors at Bethany for their great messages. Proverbs 4, 23 to 27 in the message is one of my favorite passages. Keep vigilant watch over your heart that's where life starts. Don't talk out of both sides of your mouth. Avoid careless banter, white lies, and gossip. Keep your eyes straight ahead. Ignore all sideshow distractions. Watch your step, and the road will stretch out smooth before you. Look neither right nor left. Leave evil in the dust. is Megan Prince. When I was a baby, my parents made the choice of having me christened before the Catholic Church. That was their choice, and that is where my relationship with Jesus ended for the first time. My parents never took me to church, and they never talked to me about church and who Jesus Christ was. When I was in elementary school, I made a choice to attend the Tabernacle Church of Christ in New Jersey. My neighbor, who I referred to as Nanny, was the first person in my life to introduce Jesus and the church to me. I looked forward to and attended church with her every Sunday and Wednesday evening. I loved it, and I loved Jesus. After I started junior high, I stopped going to church. Hanging with my friends was more important to me. I never stopped believing in Jesus and a higher power, but I did not have the same attitude towards him and the church. 
As I continued to grow up, I got farther and farther away from the church. I did unspeakable things and abused my body in more ways than one. I took things from myself that I could never get back. I did not follow Jesus, and I did not care. It wasn't until I hit rock bottom and landed myself in the hospital that I knew I could not get through this life alone. I needed Jesus and his love to guide me back in the right direction. Therapists and medication were not enough. I wanted to die. I was unhappy with the life I had created. But something inside of me changed during my hospital stay. The only thing that I could think of was getting discharged and going back to church. Living so far away from my childhood church, I had to make a choice on where to attend. Bethany Grace Fellowship was my first and only choice. I knew from the moment I walked in the door that I was welcomed. Everyone was so kind, and my family and I felt at home. And for the first time in my life, I felt accepted. That was the realization that led me to where I am today and the reason I want to be baptized before all of you and live for Christ. That, to me, is what it is to be a Christian. Jesus gave his life for me so God would forgive me of all my past sins and welcome me as his daughter and part of this family here at Bethany Grace. Since I decided to accept Jesus, I no longer feel alone in my struggles. Everything about me has been transformed and now reflects the way I now live through Jesus Christ. These are just some of the reasons that I am proud to be a Christian. morning. Um, we're going to do now is we're going to kind of transition from that into a time of, of offering, a time for you to participate in offering and giving a portion of what God has given to you. Just give a portion of that back. Uh, what's going to happen? The kids are going to leave at this point. It's cool to have the kids with us. Thank you guys for being with us. So what we'll do is, uh, and also there's a tear-off that was mentioned earlier. Maybe you've got prayer requests, things that are on your heart. Maybe some questions you'd like to engage at church. It's a great point of connection with the church. We'd ask all of you just kind of turn it in, say hello. And then just, again, worship God in giving. Uh, so I'm going to pray for us. That's going to happen. And the team's going to join us then again on stage. We'll close with one final song. And we're all going to head into our, head into our weeks. God, thank you so much for Jesus. Uh, what a cool celebration. I love, love, love uh, people who find life in Christ. I love seeing lives transformed. I love seeing the work that only you can do. Whether it's a child placing their faith, uh, that simple faith that then guides them through life, or whether it's an adult who's walked a hard road and finds you and finds grace and mercy. God, thank you for this church. It's a church that we're all about the message of Jesus. We will not surrender that message. We will continue to get bolder and bolder with taking that message to our world. And thank you for a church, a place of belong, where people can be cared for and nurtured and growing. God, we thank you for that. Help us to continue to be that presence in this community. And God, right now we just worship you as we get to give back to you. Just declare you to be our Lord, our Savior, someone we're following and chasing after as we give back a portion of what you've given to us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.